watched a couple of movies this week that I, well, they were very different, but I enjoyed both of them for, in different ways. I went to AMC the other day and watched Triangle of Sadness, which kind of just hit my radar recently. I saw it pop up on a couple lists and I saw it won the Palme d'Or this year which is a very pinky fancy award for like the, one of the best <laughs> movies of the year, right? Right. So I look into it. It says it stars Woody Harrelson. All right, I like Woody Harrelson. No one else I've ever heard of. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> it's two and a half hours long. Like, okay, this is really weird. Wow. And it's a comedy. So now I'm thrown off and I got to go see this movie. It's... The best way I've seen it described is if you... Took like a lowbrow comedy concept and made it highbrow. So you're like, oh, this is not laugh out loud funny. But sometimes mm -hmm. it is. It's very smart funny, but in very dumb ways. For any viewers or listeners out there, if you've seen White Lotus on HBO, it has similar vibes to that where I don't know how else to describe it, but it's got that same vibe. Um, not always laugh out loud funny, but delightful in various ways. The basic plot is... These very upper crust, rich people, old, like weapons manufacturing company owners and mm -hmm. mixed with social media influencers all invited onto this boat, this yacht for like a five day cruise. And the captain is Woody Harrelson. And basically they're invited onto this yacht to enjoy a relaxing cruise in the lap of luxury. Woody Harrelson's captain is a bit unhinged. Things don't go according to plan and it very much is a eat the rich style movie where you kind of bask in watching rich people suffer. So that was weird. Yeah, that, you know, I, the title itself is not going to get me. Like you tell me a movie is called a triangle of sadness. I see no way that I'm going to leave that movie in a good mood in any way, shape or form. I know. And that's and not a feeling like, I got. I don't mind feeling sad in a movie, but they... like you put it in the title like that, I feel like you're about to polarize. <laughs> you said this was a you said this was a foreign film, or was it? It's foreign? not foreign film. It won the Palme d'Or, which is a, a Cannes can, can Award, I believe, in France. How did they stretch that concept into two and a half hours? That is a great question because they did. I will say I felt the runtime; it was too long. But I've read a lot of reviews from. Folks who said that they got so wrapped up in it, they didn't notice at all until they mm. left. So that's going to be your mileage may vary. But they do keep with that concept. It's cut literally into three parts, like on screen, it will be part one, part two. So that's one way that they kind of make each portion of it its own thing. But it is interesting. And I don't, what sucks is I don't think, I don't imagine either of you will watch it. So I really want to spoil it because it's kind of, it's very funny, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. You saw it in theater? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. when I would It'll have be streaming somewhere sometime. Probably. Probably. And then the other movie I watched last night on Apple TV was this new Selena Gomez documentary, My Mind. Yeah. Did. I saw you. Oh my gosh. About Incredible. It's really good. She's really. Which one's Selena Gomez? Selena Gomez. Only Murders in the Building. Only Murders in the Building. Famous from Wizards well, of Waverly Place. I was going to say, is she the wizard? Is she the one who, is she the one that was like the babysitter with all the kids? I don't, um, I, I never watched Wizards of Waverly Place, so I don't know the plot or the family structure, but she was a witch. <laughs> yes, she was a wizard. And now uh, she's like international pop star. I always um, confuse her with somebody. Did she do a movie where she and some other Disney starling were like long lost twins or something like that? I don't. Prince and the Popper kind of movie. I only she remember. She was Alex I... Russo. Oh, on Wizards. Yeah. In that movie. She yeah. did a movie, yeah, a Disney probably. Channel original movie with Demi Lovato called Princess Protection. Yeah, that's the other one. You that's would know her from one. strange things like that. <laughs> Demi Lovato. <laughs> but anyway. Hard so... to keep them all straight, man. She's had like a really rough go in her personal life over the last several years. She was diagnosed with lupus and nearly died and had to get a kidney transplant. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and has fought with a lot of mental health struggles. And that's what the doc documentary is about, is her managing her life and her career through her mental health struggles and why she wants to make that a more central part of her career and it was really, it's really sad at times because you can see like people in her own circle 
are fairly demeaning to her. And it was frustrating to watch. But honestly, I was impressed with how vulnerable it was. Very good movie. Mm. I'm very intrigued. She's done a lot recently and then it really like shined a light on a lot of things, especially yeah. like autoimmune disease and mental health stuff. So it's really cool to see. And I'm very interested in that. I saw that the other day because I watched an Apple TV or Apple TV plus whatever their streaming service is. And I saw that on there. And the one that I watched was the greatest beer run ever with Zac Efron. And, you know, it's got Zac Efron, Russell Crowe, Bill Murray, and there's some other people in there that I can't remember fully, but it was a lot of fun. It wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was a genuinely just kind of a fun watch. It takes place in hmm. the, during the Vietnam War. Zac Efron has some friends who are overseas and some way, shape or form gets this idea where he's going to show their support by going to Vietnam and bringing them a beer. And, and he has this duffel bag. He somehow gets into Vietnam. People think that he's with the CIA and he just like leans into it and is able to find his friends and deliver beer. But there's also a nice little war commentary where, you know, you, it starts off very like pro Vietnam. And then whenever he gets there, he sees like the conditions and is a part of it. Like he gets to aspects of the war that the media can't get to. And some of the soldiers aren't getting to and that they're not reporting the truth on. And so wow. throughout this, he really changed his, his perspective. And it's a really interesting one. I was really surprised and it was very enjoyable. I'm sorry, true Trent. story, right? Yeah. I, based yeah, on, or based a, on one. Based on, based the, on the true story. I believe it's, I can't I remember know. if it's a book or not, but they have pictures of the, they have pictures of the boys at the end of the movie. It, 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 it's a very, especially whenever you know that is a real story. It's very entertaining to watch. Yeah. The Vietnam yeah. War was, I believe like the first really televised war. So mm -hmm. that's an interesting angle, how it's displayed in the media and all that. Yeah, yeah it's it's honestly, it was, a, it was, I was very surprised with how much I enjoyed it. The, <laughs> you know, and there's always, all, you look, do a little bit of research and there's always, I don't know when exactly, but like war used to be really disorganized, you know, mm -hmm. like there's all kinds of crazy stories from like World War II or yeah, the Korean War, the Vietnam era of like people like they go AWOL and then like something like, you know, go on like, like some kind of crazy adventure happens or, or, you know, some kind of event happens in the middle of battle that like, you know, like you could write a whole, like, it feels like the inspiration for a movie, that type of thing. I feel like nowadays, like they're, you know, they've gotten the military so regulated that like, it's really hard to do crazy things. That's not to say that stuff doesn't happen ever, but you know, right. yeah, I don't know. Con conversely, contrastly, I watched a movie that was very much not inspired by true events. I caught up on a movie from earlier this year and that was Uncharted oh. starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. And you know, it was fine. <laughs> it was okay. You know, I'm, I don't play Uncharted. I did watch somebody play Uncharted 4. I watched a friend play. And it looked like, you know, very fun, very, you know, character driven kind of game. This was, this was all right. You know, I could see them doing another one. I think that the, the, uh, the premise is there. It kind of felt like a really safe movie though. I didn't feel like it really, tr it, it really uh, stepped it up compared to it. Like, you know, it felt like it was too, trying to be too similar to the game, which is always, the, that's always the problem. It was trying to really capture the essence of the game. And I think it did that, but it didn't really elevate. I would so, agree. As I played all, I've played all four games and I would agree that it did. It was a really good adaptation of a video game. And there were some moments that were like very video gamey and I really enjoyed that. But I would say agree. It was your basic action, adventure, fun time movie. I, I enjoyed it and I do hope they do a next one because I think that they can, if they follow the structure of the games, they do get a little more character, but they still continue to be the action adventure. So you'll get a nice balance if they continue with the character. Yeah, I mean, it was good enough, right? It was fine. That's kind of how I felt about it. I wasn't upset on it. I played a little bit of the Uncharted games. I haven't played them all through or anything, but I, enough to where I could see like, okay, this is this looks like the game and kind of matches the vibe of the game. And I do think that can be a problem sometimes, like you said, David. But overall, it was fine, but it was very safe. You know, Tom Holland is a very safe casting choice. Mm. I guess Mark Wahlberg is. I don't really know why, but people put him in anything so yeah, yeah, yeah. i wouldn't mind another one it's very similar to the latest tomb raider movie they did with alicia alicia vikander uh, just kind of there it's good fine yeah all right i'll watch it yeah. on netflix yeah yeah all right well 
<laughs> That's what you did. Yeah. I think I've watched it on Netflix again since it came out, just because it was there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's fine. Uh, this week on the show, so many sequels that we're here to do. We're talking about a movie that is is better than that. <laughs> it's better than that. I think most <laughs> of every agree. movie we've talked about so far. Maybe we're talking about Black pa- Black Panther mm-hmm. on the show today to get ready for Honda Forever coming out next week or this week or you know what? It's podcast whenever you listen to it. This is a tough one to come to because of the circumstances surrounding Chadwick Boseman, right? Because it's mm-hmm. impossible to watch this movie without knowing that now. And I don't know, the first thing I want to ask is did that affect y'all's viewing as much as it did mine? I wouldn't say it impacted me in any way, shape or form other than, I, I mean, this movie's already just so good. I mean, it is, it is very, it, it's a very fascinating to see all of the fight choreography with it, with knowing everything that's going into it. But I mean, still brings it. Yeah, it affected my wife. She really struggled specifically when T'Challa goes to the ancestral plane and he's talking to his father there. That conversation really got to her. I didn't struggle with it as much as I thought and truly believe it is because regardless of Black Panther as a character, Chadwick Boseman as an actor, I think every time I've ever seen him, so is the character in that moment that I almost don't see him as... You know what I mean? Like, I don't see yeah. him as the actor. Like, I didn't see this. I wasn't watching this and I was thinking and thinking about Chadwick Boseman as much. I was like, he was the character. I, you know, I couldn't separate them, but it was devastating. You know, he, it was revealed in 2020 when he passed away that he had stage four colon cancer and that it was diagnosed in 2016. So most of his time when he was, um, for most of his filmography or the last, you know, from 2016 onward, he was dealing with this and having surgeries and having treatments. And it's kind of incredible that he was going through that. And it makes these performances kind of retroactively feel somehow more admirable than you consider what the, what he was going through without telling anyone. So it didn't impact me as much as I thought until the end when it was over and it was done. It was kind of like, I started thinking about how, you know, kind of like, when you know kind of like that you know in 2008 it was like how it kind of felt like knowing we were never going to see another performance from Heath Ledger now we're never going to see another performance from Chadwick Boseman and man he just got great performance after great performance so like we have no shortage of like like his stuff is immortal I was going to ask do you guys remember the first time you ever saw Chadwick Boseman I mean I don't know because I don't know that I would have even noticed that it was him prior to Black Panther so I'm going to say no. I don't think, I mean, my memory would be this movie. I don't remember him from anything else. I had seen um, 42 on the charter bus that my family takes to the football games. They bring mm-hmm. movies put on the bus and I had watched that and I'm a big Jackie or I'm a big baseball fan. And so Jackie Robinson is a story that I have always enjoyed anyway. And so I, he delivered a great performance in the movie. I mean, he, again, I look, I think for me, the reason that it didn't impact as much is because he knew what he had, right? Mm-hmm. And he continued to do all of those performances, whether it was getting jacked and looking like a superhero for everything, you know, he knew what he had. He didn't tell anybody else and he put everything he had into those performances. And you look at his filmography and he has done a lot of historically predominant black figures. And I think that I'm assuming, but I see his filmography and knowing what he had, I believe that he wanted those performances to stand out and be inspirational. Everyone really is, whether it's Jamie Brown or Jackie Robinson or Black Panther. I mean, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I mean, everything he did, he gave it everything. And so I think that it just enhances the performance and I, and it doesn't take it away. It just makes me appreciate it more in the moment. For me, without knowing it at the time, the first time I ever saw Chadwick Boseman, and I never failed to bring up this show, but it was an episode of Justified where he plays a former criminal turned street magician named Flex. And this was before, way before else I would see him in. And I didn't know it at the time how big he was going to be. But going back, this was like 2011, 2012. You go back and it was just like, he's really funny in the role and he's very like intent. He's very intimidating in the role because he's, you know, he's got the, he's got a very dark past, but he's like trying to turn it around with street magic. He wants to be Chris Angel. Anyway, it's a, it's a sort of a hidden gem performance by him, but yeah, I don't know. Like you said, the scent 
I would go on and I would watch all this other stuff with him in, whether it was Get On Up or like you said, 42. I never got to see the movie where he plays Thoroughgood Marshall, but I really want to check that out. So like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was a little bit off track, but I thought it'd be interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible in everything he's done. Uh, I can only repeat what y'all have said. This movie is what really catapulted him into stardom, of course. And, but really, this is, it reminded me, is this the second time we've seen Black Panther? Because he's introduced in yes. Civil War. Right. So we get to see him kind of a little bit, get an introduction to him at least in Captain America Civil War. And then to transition into this full-blown solo feature, I thought they handled that really well because that's always a tricky thing to do and that doesn't always work. But what I like, what I like about what he brings to the performance while we're still on the topic of Chadwick is he is so good at seeming or feeling both like approachable and humorous, but also he has this air of authority about him and stillness, calmness, where you're like, oh, that's the, he's, he is the king. Yes. But he can also crack a joker. That was what stood out to me was in Black Panther, he has a very serious motivation and a very serious reason to be there. He has little moments of vulnerability, but not a lot because he's on this like vengeance quest, right? Until the end where he, you know, he's sort of takes the high road. And in this one, you get to see, he gets to let his guard down. You know, he gets to be a big brother. He gets to be a son. He gets to be a still in love ex-boyfriend you know and things like that like so we get to see a more rounded version of the character t'challa and chadwick was great at it where he like you said josh he commands a sense of authority like he is you know the prince and heir to the throne and people respect him but at the same time he's able to joke around with his sister he's able to sort of you know be teasing and be not i don't want to say i don't want to say funny as though he's like cracking jokes left and right but it's very like it's very real natural humor that he has and he doesn't try um, too hard to turn that switch and he can be aggressive when he needs to be yeah yeah he's really good it's what i think ideally it's what you want to do when you introduce a character as sort of a when you introduce a character in another movie as a side character and you're like we want to spin them off into their own thing is you want to grow that character you want to evolve that character well in this movie in itself at least, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, is the best overall Marvel movie that they have. It doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It doesn't, a lot of standalone superhero Marvel movie, movies, especially at this stage in the game, they rely a lot on the crossover. They rely a lot, like Doctor Strange is, I think, the worst about it, where, you know, you you have some Doctor Strange characters, like Wong is the original Doctor Strange, obviously, but like the supporting characters around Doctor Strange are usually other characters from other movies, and so you're not getting that whole world. In this one, you get the world and you get the characters and it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It just feels like a hero, you know, the protector of this nation and this transition of power. And then you have the family dynamic and then Killmonger is the best villain that Marvel's had in a standalone movie that isn't across so many. I mean, he's relatable as a person. He's gone through things and you feel for him while you don't root for him. Um, You can kind of see where he's coming from. Every performance that they give and the culture that they show. And it's just so different than what you get from anything else from work. And I, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, I can't say much else. Right. I mean, they've built, the MCU's built a lot of worlds outside of earth that we've gotten to see, and none of them are quite as rich as Wakanda, which ironically is on earth, <laughs> which I find funny. It doesn't, you know, Asgard is really cool. And that's probably the closest they've gotten to creating of what I think feels like a fully realized place. But Wakanda, the way that they merge like traditional arts with futuristic technology, I think is what helps it stand out. It's just so cool. Wakanda is such mm-hmm. a cool place. Yes. And that is what helps is that's what helps a lot of Black Panther standing out on its own, I think. Well, and you know, so you gotta give it up to the production design. You gotta give it up to the costumes, the hair, the graphic art, the, the graphic artwork, and, you know, and the visual effects artists, because all of those little things that honestly, most people, when they talk about a movie, they talk about 
Uh, they talk about the acting, they talk about the writing, you know, and they talk about maybe the direction, stuff like that. But like all those little things, all those aspects. And, you know, usually that's why that's what usually what Andrew sings the praises of all those little things that right. get the unpop that, you know, the unpopular section of the Academy Awards. Those go so far to building a world that feels real. And this movie, like yeah. you said, I, you know, Nikki told me that this feels like it was a shift in the way. Like this was like a, this was like a recognizable Black Panther as a, rec a recognizable shift in the step up for Marvel. It'd been ten years of Marvel mm -hmm. movies, right? And I would say that like Iron Man is like that foundation. It starts it and it kind of gets you on a path. Avengers blows it up and then they kind of try to separate back out in their own things. Civil War with the Russos really kind of like changed a lot of changed a lot of dynamics about the thing. But when Black Panther came out, it was like, here's a new hero. Here's a new world, a new thing to get invested in. And they knocked it out of the park. They made it feel so authentic that you were like, yeah, you had people who were not that bright thing in Wakanda is a real place. You had people who were like, wow, this place like looks like a really cool place. Every aspect of it they could hit made it feel authentic, made it feel real. And then, and then all of the Marvel superhero blockbuster components are what they need to be, are exactly what they need to be. And then the layers of character work in it, the dynamic between T'Challa and Killmonger are what they need to be. All of those relationships feel exactly how they need to be. And yeah, Black Panther took home the Oscar for best production design and best costume design, as you mentioned. Those jobs make a huge difference. And... They were rightly honored for it. This is also Marvel's first Best Picture nominee. Did not win, of course. And they, but first, <clears throat> is it first superhero movie? No, I don't. What's think the other so. one? Did the Dark Knight? The Dark Knight no, did not. Dark Knight was great. nominated for a top five award. It got Best Supporting Actor, but I don't think it was in the. Punk. Anyway, historic nomination. While the mm -hmm. research is that, so it's just hard to argue that it's not. They're the best movie the studio's made, particularly when you look at it from the perspective of this is telling more of a singular story and is launching a character and is not an in-game style culmination of yes. a whole franchise. Because it's hard to compare the two in that way for me. It was super good. I'm trying to think of other things about the movie I want to talk about because I, in my brain, I keep wanting to talk about the impact and the, the cultural impact. But man, it's just a fun movie. All that aside... The yeah, the way they handled the technology, I mean, Sherry is basically Q. I mean, the technology and the way that it's introduced, you know, one of my favorite parts is whenever he is looking at the suit and he's got the necklace and then he kicks it really hard and they have that whole little brother-sister back and forth. And then she's explaining how it takes the kinetic energy and holds it and then it's like, kick it again and it knocks him back as hard and you feel like you know having an older sister and, and playing jokes on each other i feel like she did that on purpose you know set him up just so she knock him flying because she's recording the whole thing and you know that's fun i think the fight choreography is fantastic david you talked about the blockbuster elements that is one of the fight choreographies the whole thing is just amazing i mean when they're in the sun i think is where they are in the casino and you have claw and then you have Martin Freeman. I don't remember his character's Martin, name. Martin Freeman. You Everett. know, you have that Everett whole Ross. interaction. Ever. You have that whole interaction there, and it's just so well done, and the car chase yeah. is amazing. It really is. I mean, yeah, everything that they did is just a home run. The crazy thing about it, and, you know, is that they bring in Ryan Coogler, who had Creed under his resume by this point, but really comes in and does have a, like, brings a very real style to it while still kind of matching a lot of the vibes of of the you know the bigger MCU that we've seen before but like you know hey do a superhero fight sequence okay there's been a billion of those how do you make that feel original right but they managed to do it you know there's a short brief there's like a brief you know implied one take shot in the middle of this fight sequence that makes it feel cool you've got <laughs> bless you here they've got various <laughs> you know you got various other ways and then um the fight, there's a short brief fight at the beginning and it's mostly in, in darkness. But when, you know, Black Panther goes to get Nakia and he's in the dark and he's in the shadows and he's, you know, taking out, you know, I don't know what they are, rebels or, you know, some kind of fighters, guys with guns, you know, bad guys. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, they 
found a lot of unique ways to have like a Black Panther fight. But also this movie sort of lives like the parts of this movie, the two, there are two fights, there are two fights this movie sort of live in my head and that's the fights on the waterfall. It's the challenge fights for the throne of Wakanda that I like, I think about just because they're raw and they're like, you know, they're not really, they're not hand to hand, but they're, you know, like they're like traditional classic fights and they, you know, they have the stake is, uh, you know, being the ruler of Wakanda when M'Baku comes out and they're just like chanting. It's so intimidating and so real and so cool. But yeah, this, they made this, made, it has, it feels like it has a history and it feels like the, everything is on the line for this country. What next guys? What next? Cause I feel like video beat by beat on this movie. What, are, what is, what are some of your favorite moments? There are some really fun ones that have become almost meme worthy, which the big, the biggest one is Shuri's. What are those to the shoes? What are those? Um, I got a, you know, people today. So TikTok, the TikTok community is worse than the Reddit community was when, when, you know, Reddit was big, I think, because uh, you have people now 2022 and they'll be like, oh, how cringeworthy is that? What are those joke? Right. I'm like, that got a huge laugh in 2018 when I was in the theater. I don't know about you guys. Sitting in the air, she goes, what are those? And the whole crowd laughed, man. It was hilarious. It actually genuinely was funny. Or people will complain about the CGI in the final fight. They'll complain about the rhinos. I don't care. Rhinos are cool. But my favorite parts, honestly, are probably like, they're probably, you know, their lines. I love, you know, him taking down that plane and he comes up and he goes, I am not dead. Right. Great. I think the confrontation when, when Killmonger comes into Wakanda and he reveals that he is in Jobu and he is there to, you know, challenge that. that that's one of my favorite fights. And one about fights. One of my favorite scenes is the confrontation and, and T'Challa know he's like, I know who you really are and what you've done. I don't know why he didn't just call him out and say, this guy took Killmonger from me. I don't know why he didn't do that because he, you know, once he saw that ring, he's like, he, it's like, that's the guy then it's like the reason Killmonger got away is because this guy kidnapped him and took him from me. So like, anyway, I like that scene. And I'm trying to think of another one, like specifically. Now come back to me, and we'll, you guys will say other ones. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, okay. Well, the car chase scene that we talked about a little bit earlier is one of my favorites. I just love a good high speed chase, and that was a fun one. I really like the way they incorporated the technology of having Shuri drive it via like holographic remote control. That was super cool. I feel I, that far off now. No, it doesn't. It feels like we're getting closer to that with the automatic or the driverless cars that are. Going around, apparently, I hope to never encounter one. And I thought that Killmonger's death scene was really nicely done. The way that he chooses to die rather than be taken away to prison or whatever. And that T'Challa allows that and just like sets him up to watch over Wakanda and die. It's cool. It's touching in a way that you don't always get from movies like this. Yeah. What about you, Gary? Think, Anything, any particular scene stand out? I think I talked about mine already. Two hours? The first, yeah, the first two hours is. and 15 minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so go to go back. Yeah, so this was the first, like, it was traditional the- superhero movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And uh, if y'all remember, I feel like, you know, at the time, it didn't feel like a, you know, courtesy nomination or something. There were moments where it's like, I don't know. I think Black Panther could win. He didn't ultimately. What? What? what here? Twenty eighteen. I don't know. We don't have Andrew. He could just. That's true. Spit that out. Let's see here. So it would have been the twenty nineteen awards, right? Yeah. I think it was something good. Um. So yeah. So the other half of that conversation is, you know, and getting nominated for Best Picture is this was a culturally relevant movie, like a culturally important movie, despite the fact that there have technically been other African American superhero movies before Black Panther. The MCU, the Marvel. Ah, it was Green Book. It was Green Book. It was uh, not a good one. Never mind. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it should have been Black Panther. The Marvel Cinematic Universe created this larger than life fandom or you know this massive fandom and they're like they started to become this expectation of like okay you've got the avengers you've got this huge superhero team with all these cool superheroes like where are the women and where are the african-americans or just you know where are the black people where are the people of color 
in this franchise? Where do we get to be, you know? And so create this huge expectation came along. Black Panther gets introduced in Civil War, and then he gets a movie, and it's huge. Like, it's huge, and it's culturally significant. And it was politically at a time where people were having a lot of conversations about representation and diversity. And we'll get to the box office numbers later, but the movie does huge numbers. It comes out in the middle of Black History Month, and it comes, you know, it is the last movie before the giant event film of Avengers Infinity War. So, like... There's all these elements playing in. And then you go in and find out, hey, it's actually a really good movie. And right. it's really interesting. And it has a lot of deeper themes beyond just box beyond, beyond beyond just blockbusters. It has conversations about what does it mean to be loyal to your country. It has conversations about tradition versus you know progress. It has conversations or it introduces conversations about the idea of colonization and appropriation of culture, things like that. There's one more thing that that I wanted, more of those that I wanted to mention, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, T'Challa directly says at the end of the movie that fools build walls, you know, great men build bridges or something like that. Great people build bridges. During a time in American culture where wall building was becoming a very popular piece of rhetoric. So like, it was very, it was so like, you know, the Academy for some reason, you know, they looked at it and they said, this is, we got to put this on. It's a huge movie and it's very good. So it's impressive that they actually did because the second film to be nominated for best picture that was, let's say, based on a comic book would be Joker. So that would be a totally different scenario. <laughs> right. They don't like it. No, you're right. You get, do you guys remember those viral videos of the kids? dancing when they had found out that their like whole class was going to get taken to see black panther because that was another I thing don't. that they did where they would take i'll find it and put it in our discord that you can get access to on patreon because it's really heartwarming they did there was some kind of campaign where they would pay for the entire classroom kids can go to like field trips yeah take field trips to go see black panther it was really cool and heartwarming so i will find some of those and share them again because they're nice but yeah the, you made a lot of good points about the cultural impact regarding the political situation at the time and all that it is easier to see in hindsight why this movie caught the academy's attention because it is a lot deeper than you would typically get from something like this because you don't expect you know people don't expect their comic book movies to come with a side of you know political commentary and hard conversations like that and especially not with the way that there's sort of the rhetoric around the mcu that it's sort of just mm -hmm. this sort of like long collective cash grab where you activated my watch. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know how. I don't know. Why don't make keyword or that, you know, and most MCU movies don't have a necessarily larger political message, but I think they could. I, I think that they really could. I think that one could argue that just the presence of doing a movie based on Black Panther is, a, you know, or Captain Marvel or Shang-Chi. Oh, the Eternals are political statements in themselves, because while there is a greater demand for diversity today, there is definitely a strong backlash against diversity these days. Anyhow, I felt like when, once you get into the Academy conversation, you kind of have to talk about the cultural impact the movie had. You do, you do. Well, let's go ahead and use that as an opportunity to talk a little bit about how this movie performed financially. Okay. Also, while I'm pulling up my notes here, a little detail I found, I have to, I'd have, I'll have to fact check this, but I think it's fine to say. The first superhero movie to be, to receive any sort of nomination at the Academy, at the from the academy was the mask of zorro in 1940 it was really? nominated for best music and original score i honestly don't know that i've seen that i don't think i have either 1940s the mask of zorro i don't think but i've seen I, any one, version one, of the mask of zorro uh even one with the captain zeta jones and then don't, don't, don't know that's, that's, that's that. the one from the 2000s right or right. 1990s or something like that i want to watch it the most inf like what a trailer right what a trailer that's what i remember that um Yes, so let's look at the box office performance for Black Panther. The character would debut way back in 1966, but he would not get a film until February 16th of 2018. It was massive. It was a massive opening weekend. At the time, at the time, I believe it was the third highest opening weekend of that point. Like, it was huge. Now, that's been bumped down since then. But it would bring in $202 million opening weekend, which 
by the way, is just five million less than The Avengers in 2012 and more than any other MCU movie to that point. Unfortunately for this movie, in the number two spot, you had Peter Rabbit, which in its second week <laughs> brought in 17.5. Starring James Corden. James as Corden. Peter Rabbit. Everyone's, Everyone's favorite. favorite person right now. Right. At number three, you had Fifty Shades Freed, which I assume is the third movie in the Fifty Shades franchise. It's got to be one of them. At number four, you had Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle in its ninth weekend, brought in 7.9. And at number five, The 517 to Paris brought in 7.5 million. Going forward for the rest of the year, Black Panther would just dominate record. Highest ever grossing gross for a movie in February, highest grossing this, highest grossing that. It would go on to make $700 million in the domestic box office. That's just in the United States. This movie joins the $700 million club. For 2018, that's good enough to be the number one movie in the United States, beating out money, Infinity money. War, which, which I'll remind you, was the big event film of this year. This movie made more money than the team up, which this movie, all, that movie also featured Black Panther. I remember Joe and Anthony Russo on the DVD talked about <laughs> going to the premiere of Infinity War and being pleasantly surprised, but surprised when Wakanda shows up when they first go to Wakanda in Infinity War. And there was a massive cheer for Wakanda, for Black, for T'Challa to show up. They were like, we did not anticipate that being a moment where the crowd was going to explode in excitement. But there you go. So number one movie domestically of 2018, so this is just the U.S. and Canada, I believe, is Black Panther, followed by Avengers Infinity War. Incredibles 2 would be a number three spot with $608 million. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom finished number four. You can listen to our podcast about that. If you want. With 417. <laughs> and then at number five, huh? I said, if you want. Man. I don't know that I would. Well, you get both of them. That's a death. Well, that was the one we did a two for. You get Jurassic World 1 and Jurassic World. Oh, that's Fallen true. Okay. And then Aquaman finished number five with 335 million. The big year for sequels is 2018. Yeah, yeah. Black Panther, if you don't count Black Panther as a sequel in the ever growing Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise, then it was the highest grossing non sequel, though it could technically be a sequel to Civil War. The highest grossing, like non superhero or franchise movie, would be Bohemian Rhapsody at number 10 with 216. Just behind it, though, was A Star is Born, but that's a remake. Crazy, though, that you got to go all the way to number 10 to find one. 10, you want to hear the full 10? The number nine is Ant Man and the Wasp. Number eight is Mission Impossible Fallout. And number seven, The Grinch. Number six is Deadpool 2. Like good movies that year, at least. It is a fun year for movies. You know, the numbers are a little different worldwide. Avengers Infinity War would finish in the number one spot with Black Panther number two. Um, For the MCU, Black Panther was at one point, you know, when it came out, the high, that, that year, the highest grossing MCU movie. It's been supplanted a little bit. It's now the number three highest grossing behind Spider-Man No Way Home and Avengers Endgame. What was that other stat? All time, Black Panther now sits at number six. It was, for a brief time, the third highest grossing movie of all time, just behind Avatar and Star Wars The Force Awakens. But it has been moved down to number six behind Top Gun Maverick, Avatar, Spider-Man No Way Home, Avengers Endgame, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. Are you telling me that Top Gun Maverick is now in the top, top five, five highest time. grossing of all time? Top Gun Maverick, little update from earlier this year. I didn't year, know it had gone that far. At, it's now at $716 million. Top Gun, baby! <laughs> People wanted it. People wow. wanted it. Now, five? It's number five. It will wow. not reach it will not reach number four. As right. of this last weekend, it only brought in a hundred thousand dollars. Re-release it. So it is very unlikely at 716 to catch up to Avatar, which is at 780. There, it has passed Black Panther. <laughs> it has passed Avengers of Infinity War. Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick has passed the Titanic, all of those movies. And so it and Black Panther sit comfortably in the 700 million club, you know, with all those other movies on top. Those are great movies. Yeah, and I think that's really all I have. I was going to talk about opening weekends, but, you know, don't really talk about it. Oh, here was the one detail I had. So... Black Panther was the number one movie at the box office in the U.S. for 2018. It's one of only four. People think that the MCU dominates the box office, but it's only four times that's happened. Only four MCU movies have been the number one movie at the end of the year. So, well, how about that? I think it's a. I think it's Endgame, Black Panther, uh, the first Avengers movie, and and I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway. That's all I have. I also had a weird. I also had a weird fun fact about the about Black Panther and the Black Panther Party. The uh, you know right. the, the 
political party. I had a fun fact yeah. about that that I can do, but I think we're moving on anyway. Yeah, we'll see. save it for the internet. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, let's talk about now what we are. I mean, we've talked a lot about the impact of this movie. So I think, you know, this is going to be a this actually might be difficult to judge what the letterbox score is just because it honestly gets trickier the higher it goes. A lot of haters out there. And there are some haters, for sure, of various varieties. So where, what are our guesses going to be for the letterbox average of Black Panther? Which you can find all of us on Letterboxd and follow us there for more. Yeah, I'll say, you or Garrett go first. I'm going to say, I don't think it's under a four, quite frankly. So I'm going to say 4.3. Oh, man, that's high. I I know I think it's high. high. I feel like I was going to go on the fours. I was going to do four one. Four one. Well, there's no reason for me not to say 4.0. So I will say a 4.0 is what Black Panther has on Letterboxd. That's true. That's true. If our risk doesn't pay off, then personally, my favorite app slash website for movie discourse, Letterboxd. You better. What are, what's the answer, Josh? Who wins this week? Uh, so the winner is David. Hey, Garrett and I both overshot the letterbox score. I was very wrong. It was not a four point It is a three point seven. It's a three point seven, really. Oh, my initial guess was going to be three point nine, but mm. with you guys in the fours, I was like, "Well, there's no. I might as well guess a four as well." And so, I agree yeah. that that feels a little low. Yeah, because I, boys, this is a five star friggin' movie for me. I mean, oh yeah, same. It's a five star for me. The there, there's literally nothing I would, I think, that I feel like I could complain about. Yeah, I mean, so if you've seen my letterbox the other day I, when I watched it, I just kind of instinctively did a 4.5. But I mm -hmm. think this conversation has easily talked me into a 5 because, okay. yeah, I don't go. have anything really okay. negative to say. I just usually don't give them out that freely. But and it, I did, you know, I same. I almost, I was considering at the beginning of this going down to a 4.5 because I looked up my review that's currently up and it was a five-star movie. And I was like, well, do I have any reason to knock it down from that? And I really right. can't think of one. If it was, if I was going to think of one, it would have stood out in this rewatch. I would have went, oh, this hasn't aged well, or, oh, that doesn't look so good anymore. Or I didn't care for this, but honestly, I like everything about it. I love the Tolkien white guys. They're great. <laughs> I love white guys. You know, oh, I, I love that. Ones. I like that final fight. People complain about they don't like CGI. It looks like a PlayStation game, but I like it. I think it's fun. Yeah. I yeah. like the rhinos. I mean, normally <laughs> I try to pick through some popular letterbox reviews to find funny ones. And when I look today, they're just, they're not, they're pretty sincere reviews. I, like, I'll get, I'll, I don't mean to say they're bad because we had that letterbox conversation. <laughs> I mean, they're like thought out and they're well thought yeah. out reviews. There's not a lot of jokey ones. I mean, you've I got, got a jokey one. Best black James Bond movie imaginable is from... Right. A four-star review. That's pretty good. This was more of a civil war than civil war, which sure. I don't There's disagree with. There's a lot of war going on here. And then, this will be the last one for me. Four stars. Oh my God, this made every other Marvel movie look total shit in comparison. Ryan Coogler, you legend. <laughs> Ryan so, Coogler's truth. great. Only um, words of truth right there. Yeah. There's a great there's a great video with Winston Duke, and I think he's hanging out with, with oh gosh, Sebastian Stan, maybe somebody else, and they're reading a thirst tweets about them. And someone wrote, M'Baku can throw my M'Bak out. <laughs> that like, is a good one. It was really funny. And that's, it stuck with me. Every time I see M'Baku in, when I rewatch these movies, because he's in this, he's in Infinity War, I'm what like, man, he can throw my M'Bak out. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Winston Duke's great, too. We didn't talk about yeah. some of the underrated actors. Winston Duke is in this. Great. There's uh, no uh, misses in this movie. I mean, Daniel. No, great. What's his name? The guy who plays Wakabi in this. He was just in Nope. Daniel Kaluuya. That's it. Yeah, he's great. This yeah, the cast doesn't miss at all. No, everyone's no. great. Michael B. Jordan is a great villain. Martin Freeman is just great doing whatever he does. Why not? Andy Circus, yeah. hello. And he was phenomenal yeah. as Claw. I don't know how I he mean, laughs like that. He like yeah. laughs in like a weird like like coughing wheeze laugh. Like that man can do things with his voice that don't make sense. Yeah, he's and just he does it. But yes, they are the Tolkien white guys because they're the Hobbit. They're I the Hobbits. Know. I like that. That's funny. That's right. Before we move on and wrap this up, let's talk about predictions for Wakanda Forever. Yeah, do yeah. Do we have any? Do we know? I mean, obviously, you know, David, you posed in our Discord a question to people about like, what they think, but I wanted some reviews of this one and the next one. But, you know, you asked some box office questions. Do we think it's going to make more? Do we think this is going to be as successful? What's the hype? 
What is who's the next Black Panther? What are we gonna do? We have any predictions whatsoever? Right. I mean, it's it's not gonna make more. I don't think just because I don't think that kind of cultural moment can be achieved again in this environment. I argue Chadwick Boseman's death might be able to bring out more support than people think. And I, I think that it could. I think that opening day, it would be. I think that its opening day could be equally similar. I don't think it will make as much money. Sorry, Josh. I was just gonna say from the, from an opposing perspective, I'm afraid that the lack of Chadwick Boseman will decrease interest because it. Ha I will say to it has for me very slightly. I'm concerned about how this movie works without him. That's my prediction. I'm not gonna say I'm expecting it to be bad or anything, but I. This is not, no matter how you look at it, this is not the movie we were supposed to get. They had to throw it all out and go back to scratch. So I have some concerns that I feel like are reasonable, but nothing too crazy. Yeah, I think one, until proven otherwise, I feel like Shuri's going to take up the mantle of Black Panther. And it, I could be proven wrong. It could be any number of other characters, but I just, I think thematically that makes the most sense so until and, and i've kind of avoided watching a lot of the trailers i watched the big one when they came back with, uh, with what is it is it drake and uh, no woman no cry oh. i want to be cringe that trailer i watched that one so i think it's going to be shuri um or you know there might be a weird scenario where the movie ends and there's like three black panthers who knows but i'm really looking forward to namor which is the new official pronunciation of that character's name i think that's going to be a really interesting new world ryan kugler has created one incredible world why not create another one and i do think that the movie itself i think there will be a lot of interest because chadwick boseman isn't it so i do think there will be a lot of early like opening weekend interest like you said garrett mm -hmm. i don't know if it'll make 202 million dr strange in the multiverse of madness made 187 million opening weekend spider-man no way home made i think 260 opening weekend i think between 190 and then even 200 is pretty reasonably it's, that's like, I think that's a good guess. So I'm going to say like between 190 and 200 million. Um, Dr. Strange multiverse of madness, which is that's the biggest one of the year. Thor didn't do Thor did. Okay. It did about average for an MCU movie, but multiverse of madness made 411 million worldwide or I'm sorry, domestically. So I think, between 450 and 500 million, I think is very possible for this, especially if people come out loving it. Like if they come out loving it, then word of mouth will keep it going because I, just, I don't just, I, that's where my gut is. I could be wrong and I probably will be wrong because I'm, I'm only so good at this guessing game. I would not have predicted Top Gun Maverick to make $700 million. <laughs> I don't know. I think from my perspective, I think that Ryan Coogler's proven himself and I think that he while had to pivot, I think he'll pivot fine. I think that he'll want to honor Bozeman. And I think that everyone in this movie mm -hmm. will deliver an absolute mega performance because they will have him in mind during this entire process. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of intrigue about what they're going to do. I think that people are maybe not as concerned about the movie, but I think they're concerned. I think they're interested in what they're going to do. Yeah. I think that Shuri Wildey most obvious i think that's my least that's my least want i think you lose too much I that's my least much. want too it would disappoint yeah. me if shuri is black panther i think you lose too much with her just going into black panther because then who steps in to progress and to end the do the technological aspects like her braid is an asset in of itself as shuri to be able to do that there's nobody else that's proven that they can handle that technology so while she can do both i think that somebody like nakia or Okoye are two options that people are sleeping on. And I think that, I think that Nakia is my pick to be Black Panther. I mean, as Lupita Nyong'o, that's a great name to have attached to you long-term. She proved in the last one that she could fight and she left Jem. So depending on how they're going to handle the king and the transition, she might be out and ready to challenge for the king and the queen shit because she was already about to be queen. So I think there's a lot I of interesting directions that they could take that yeah. they lay. Yeah, I think I like that better. I do. I just think Shuri is would be the laziest pick possible. And yeah. Yeah. I'm just ready for that to be what happens. I, I know. Yeah, I, I know. know. I mean if they do I'm it, also I'm ready it. for it to be what happens, but I 
am telling everyone up front that I will be disappointed. I think, honestly, I think it's more likely that Nakia becomes a bad guy going forward. Her character in the comics is a bad guy or was a bad guy at different times. Um, That's what makes this... I think it's more likely for this to impact her in a way that she goes her own direction. She goes, she makes her own choice. And maybe, I don't think it was full evil, but she starts making her, she starts, you know, she says, you know, forget this Wakanda situation. That's what makes this such a good story. It's what makes Black Panther such a good movie is it has presented us with all these options and there's not even like, we we don't even fully agree on where it might go because there's so many options. I do want to say too on the, uh, we'll get into it more next week, but on the conversation of whether it was right to do it this way or whether it was, they should have just recast the character and, you know, let the character continue to be honor Chadwick Boseman, but don't kill off his character. My personal stance has always been and will always be whatever Ryan Coogler thinks is best. Yeah. Because he has been given, uh, I know a lot of people don't want to think this, he's been given control of this. He's been, this is, this is his corner of this, you know, expanded universe, whatever he thinks is the right thing to do, I'm fine with. He's He has all my trust on that. If he had wanted to recast, I would have said, okay, it'll be weird, but that's the right thing to do. Ryan said so, right? That's just how I go with it. Yeah. I think that's respectful enough. Yes, I would agree that, you know, he's close enough to this project that whatever he wants is what should be done. All right. Well, there's our predictions. They're all over the place and we'll find out who was right and who was wrong. You know what? I think I hope that we're all wrong about everything. (laughs) And I hope that somehow this, this is like defies our expectations in different ways because that's fun. But we'll find out next week when we will be back with a very fresh review of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm going to tell you right now that I don't see how we don't have a spoiler-filled episode. So make your plans to see Black Panther 2 this upcoming weekend, if you can, and save on, save the podcast for later if you can. Sound fair? But that's cool. it for us. You can find us online at all your favorite haunts, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter while it exists. Facebook, all those places. And then, of course, our Patreon is at so many is so many sequels at Patreon. And you can subscribe there and join our Discord and have fun with us in there. I think I'll, I think that's my list of things to say. So we'll see you all next time. Bye. <laughs>